Welcome to Lost Without Japan, a travel podcast about the life-changing experiences of exploring Japan and those moments we would be lost without. For your listening pleasure, allow me to introduce your very own Kanko Gaido, Michael. Welcome to a special Lost Without Moment bonus interview episode of the Lost Without Japan podcast. Our bi-weekly podcast is getting a special episode just for you listeners today. Today's episode and others like it to follow will be an interview with different guests that will help build the community of Lost Without Japan listeners and get to know some more about some fabulous individuals, as well as their very special Lost Without moments. I'd like to thank you all for giving me a bit of your time today, and I truly hope this podcast finds you in a good place or on the path to a better one, no matter how it may seem at this moment. My belief is that we can all use a beacon like this in our lives to help guide us during these times, and my hope is that Japan, along with this show, will become that for you. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you're returning Lost Without Listener, thank you again for your time and for returning. For today's show, let me introduce a special guest from the Moonlighters podcast, Joel Edwards. Joel is a testament to the adage that sometimes you're meant to cross paths with people at a certain moment in your life. I reached out to Joel after he gave a follow to the Lost Without Japan podcast Instagram page and quickly realized this was a meeting of two Japan lovers that was fated to happen. His podcast is all about interviewing employees who live double lives as entrepreneurs. I can promise that if you want to be motivated to start your own entrepreneurship or hobby, that this is the podcast that will help inspire you to do so. I feel very fortunate today to have him with me on the Lost Without Japan podcast. Welcome, Joel. Thank you so much for making time for the Lost Without Japan listeners by joining us on today's episode to Geek Out Japan and to share some Lost Without moments that led you to start your podcast. Before we get going with today's episode, where can listeners find both yourself and your podcast, The Moonlighters Club? and you know share with you some of their uh, love about japan as well yeah uh, first of all it's, it's awesome to be here thanks for having me on i really appreciate it michael uh for those interested moonlighters club is on pretty much all major podcast networks a few minor ones but yeah google google uh, apple Podcasts, spotify uh tune in stitcher pretty much everywhere and we have clips on youtube as well you know we've done some video work and uh events that you can find on youtube moonlighters club uh podcast is the channel but yeah that's where you can find us and I can tell you your your uh, web page as well. I, I love it. Like like just scrolling through that alone, I'm like, man, that, that gives me some envy of some you know some sort of goal to to look forward to in the future as well. I mean, it, it is just well worth your time. Uh, oh, but thank, thank you, I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Joel. Man, it was such a pleasure to be on your podcast, and I feel very fortunate to have you in mind today. I, I, it was it was fun. It was uh, it, it just uh, it. It just goes to show there's good out there. You know, there's a lot of noise and fluff on social media, but I don't think it's, uh, you know, people just say it's negative. I think it can be, but you can use it for really great things and you can meet people that you never thought you'd come across and that we never meet without it. So, and that's how we met. So no, I, I, I think it's, uh, it was awesome. Well, Joel, it's your turn to share a little bit about yourself with the listeners. Um, you're welcome to you talk about anything you'd like to, but um, the microphone is all yours, my friend. Well, yeah, I um, I'm born and raised in Boston, Massachusetts. Um, at a young age, I got exposed to uh, Boston itself is is not as much anymore. But when I was growing up, it's pretty segregated. Uh, but my mother went out of her way every summer, or whenever we had breaks, to expose us to different things. So I went to a music camp in uh, Maine every year when I was a kid for like six years. And I would meet people from, most of the people were based in the New England area, but you'd meet people from other parts of uh, the country and the world. So I was able to meet people who shared a love of music, but that's when I first got exposed to different types of things outside of my own scope. Uh, And then for this, specifically Japan, uh, it was anime. 
uh, being a, a, a kid and being into Dragon Ball Z and Pokemon when you're really little. Uh, and then that just, it just, the avalanche starts to hit because you're watching the channels. I, forget, I don't even remember the channels that used to come on. But not only would I be able to watch anime, but like Japanese variety shows randomly. Every once in a while, I'd be able to catch them. But I just thought uh, those shows did a really good job of putting the culture into the shows. And so I'm learning about this place that I know nothing about through these shows. And it was pretty cool. But media was the way that it uh, it came. Um, but yeah, no, outside of that, um, I, I, I like you said, I, I do a podcast. Um, my passion in life is like having something for myself, I guess I could say. I, uh, I, I've always liked the idea of entrepreneurship. Before it was about being successful. Now it's not. Now it's more so I think everyone needs to have something they love that they have. They're a little, everyone needs their little box, their little space that they can control and, and do uh, what they want with. Um, we all, a good portion of us work and we're devoting time and care into something else, which is fine. But I think we should all have something that means a lot to us, some passion, some company, some anything where you can just find peace with. So that's my thing. Like I, I can't just go to work and go home. I, I just when I just sit around, I'm like I gotta be doing something. Like there's and it could be anything. I, I, it could be anything. I need to obsess over something outside of this work. So that's that's my thing. Like I always got to have some project or thing that I'm working on that brings me joy that I can kind of like play with and grow. So yeah, that's that's awesome. That's awesome. I I, I know for you, I, I feel like um, I couldn't agree with you more uh, with what you just said because like uh, me as a teacher, even uh, and my day to day job that I do. Uh, if my head is in the right place and I have like, you know, this podcast and those like, you know, hobbies and things that you have to get your mind uh, sometimes out of a loop that you could be stuck in and get yourself centered again and back to what you have. I'm like, I, I can offer so much more as a dad. I can offer so much more to my students. I can offer, you know, so much more to my friends. I, I could not agree more with you with what you just said. Yeah. Yeah. It keeps the mind fresh. Uh, yeah, it, it, yeah, it definitely, it, there's so many benefits to it mentally. I think they're, they're, the benefits are huge. And I've been listening, uh, through your podcast and even though it's not, uh, you know, about Japan, uh, I feel like, uh, have some sort of connection cause I used to live in Boston as well, uh, or outside of it, I should say I was, uh, uh, you know, in New Hampshire about like 30 minutes away from there. Um, but one thing that I've just been really intrigued about, like what was that like lost without moment for you or moments that led you to actually begin uh, the Moonlighters podcast? Uh, it, when I graduated school later in life, my, most of my 20s, I, I mean, it was just fun times. Uh, and plus I had no idea what I wanted to do. I didn't understand professions. So I was living in Minnesota. Uh, I grew up in Boston, moved to Minnesota my last year of high school, and then went back to school mid 20s. So I wanted to go to Seattle. I actually was going to study zoology and move to like Seattle and go to the UW, our school in Oregon. But I decided to go to Boston just because I know people there, I have family there, so it'd be easy for me to get on my feet. Uh, I don't know how, it was randomly on the website of Suffolk University, I saw entrepreneurship and I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Like this, the, the word entrepreneurship is pretty buzzy. And I just started following classes and I loved it. I love like finding pro solutions to problems and we had these different exercises, it was great. And I create, came up with this uh, fitness app. It was called Fitus, F-I-T-T-U-S. And it was gonna be for gym members to find workout partners. Uh, at that time, it was after the social network movie had come out and Facebook was like, face, the story of Facebook was massive. Like, the, the idea of creating an app, no one knew how to create revenue. And no one talked about it. It was just, everyone wanted to create something that a lot of people use. Cause at that time, apps were still like, oh, Foursquare's out now, Twitter's out now, Pinterest. It was like, what, what's the, what can you create that'll garner a massive buzz and you could like take off? Cause it wasn't happening all the time, but it was happening. So I created this app, I'm doing pitch competitions. I get some highs, some lows, but I just didn't know how to build the product. And when you get told something's a good idea enough times, you, you, you start to believe it and you're like, I don't understand why I'm not seeing success. Every time I walk up to someone, they tell me it's a good idea and you know, like I just don't get it. So when I graduated, I wasn't expecting to have to work. I was living in the fairy tale. I thought I was gonna you know, get all my users and do whatever I wanted, but I had to go to, to work. So I had a routine where 
I lived in Jamaica Plain. And actually, no, at this time I was living in Roxbury, Blue Lab. So I was living there and I had a job in downtown Boston. And I would, uh, but I still wanted to devote time to my app. I'd wake up at 5.30, walk to Jamaica Plain to Green Street train station because I hated taking the bus. Either go to the gym or just go straight to Suffolk. This is after I graduated. I'd go to the Suffolk Library. Work for two hours if I, if I can get there by seven. Then I just started going to my office two hours early. So I would work to, uh, two hours on my business, work at my job, lunch, work on my business. Five o'clock hits, I'd go right back to the school library and I would do this every single day, every day. And I'm just like, why is this not? <laughs> I was just like, I'm doing this, I'm doing the work, it's not working. And one of my good friends, uh, Sean Bedgood, uh, was working at Suffolk as a cop and we grew up together and we reconnected when I went back to school. He was a stand-up comic and a cop who'd work overnight shifts. So I would go watch his shows on Friday nights at local comedy clubs in Boston. He'd do really good and then have to leave those shows and go work an overnight shift. And he'd be doing that like all over, traveling for some, doing competitions. So it was just us talking about how much we're putting in. <laughs> and then you're seeing people get success. You're like, I just don't understand how this isn't working. And so we decided to start the podcast as just like venting. And then I just started meeting people at my job who were doing the same things. A DJ who would work, and on Friday he had to leave work early. My boy Jamerson, he would go out to, he would like live in Cambridge, so he would leave work in Boston, go to Cambridge, get his DJ equipment, drive back to Boston to work and be a DJ till like two in the morning. Um, he would do gigs, he would travel and do gigs. It wasn't just him, my friend Tom was a professional wrestler. So he would leave work to do that, do workouts and things like that. People who ran uh, poetry groups, people who were building apps. And I just didn't know, I had no idea. I had no idea that there were so many people living that way. You, yourself, Michael, with this podcast, I, I just had no idea that that was a thing. I thought most people would just go to work or be entrepreneurs strictly. So my app ended up not working out. And I used to obsess about the app because I thought the world was gonna end if it didn't work. But it wasn't the app. It was the fact of having something else. Work is great, like doing work is fine. But the idea of creating, adding value by creating something uh, intrigues me every day. So that's like my thing. I always gotta have, I feel like no matter how much money I make, if I made, someone's like, I'm gonna give you $500,000 a year, but that's, you can't do anything else. Like you <laughs> yeah. can't, this is like, all no. you can do. I, I can't, I can't do it. Yeah. I, I gotta have something yeah. else. <laughs> so that, that's, and long story short, I went on for a bit. That That's my thing. It's like the, being able to immerse myself in something and, and bump my head on my own, figure stuff out on my own. You know, just we talked about you in Japan and kind of, you learned what how the country worked for yourself and it's like that's how that that's how i feel 100 percent. i said and you were talking about the different people that were supporting you and i i feel like that's so huge to have that like support network to ensure your success and it definitely sounds like it who's your biggest supporters uh for you now just like uh with what you're doing i'd say my wife uh for sure my wife is in finance uh she's an investment so she's very like afterwards she's like okay okay we're gonna break down the numbers like what are we doing here but when she sees me putting work in she's like she's just very just there and i'm lucky uh every person i've ever interviewed uh all of us like it's we've all kept and it's over like 60 plus 70 plus now it was started out with people i knew uh and then moved on but i like my my least favorite word is haters. Like I get it. We all need antagonists for our like story. I've rarely I've rarely if ever come across that. I feel like every person that's been involved with this podcast, who is either a guest on it or a guest at one of our showcases, it's been support not just for me but support for the other people. So every we all keep in touch. I talk to folks. My friend Sean's in L.A. now, doing acting full time. Uh, I, I have friends in Baltimore doing big things, friends in Boston, and I just feel like it's just a network of people seeing that we're all trying to do, and the goals are different, but just we're all just trying to kind of maintain this level of healthiness and sanity. So no, I'd say all of, it's like a collective. It's, it's huge. It's like uh, just to have a group of people that, that are there for your success. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it, it, it's 100% because nobody's taking money away from anybody. Right, um, right. And, and if you're successful, and you meet more people, then that gives something to other people. And it's like, we all benefit from what we're doing here. And it's just, it's wonderful. And I, like for you, what's your long-term goal uh, for your show? I would like to find a way to turn consistent revenue um, 
and I, I, everyone goes to ads but i'm like yeah i could see that i i also i that's also one of my pet peeves i don't want to be like hey here's a show about like someone passionately doing something brought to you by pedialyte <laughs> it's just always thought that was i don't bash anyone else for doing it i always thought that was yeah, odd yeah, yeah. um i've <laughs> I, 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 we've been able to do uh, in the live showcases where people get on stage and basically talk about their passion for like six to seven minutes. All of the shows have been free, um, but I started inviting companies to it and I would ask companies to pay. So the companies would have to like have some kind of benefit to entrepreneurs on the crowd there. And people were like, okay, that's a solid idea. So if I can scale that up. And I've also gotten, uh, and I've also gotten uh, a co- contract work um, from the Boston Ujima project, which was a life changer. They, uh, they, it, it kind of, it was what I needed, and it was an amazing opportunity. And I'll always be grateful for it. But going to companies, I'm thinking of our accelerators, our coalitions have been going. Can we feature these people here? We'll do all the creative work. We'll create like a newsletter or video. Um, and then one thing I'm working on now, and I, I try not to. I try not to speak too early on things because yeah. you got to do it, but I'm going to make myself do it. I'm going to transcribe every episode I've ever done and write a book uh, and not even write a book. It's, it's, it's I'm not, it's going to be quotes from the people I've interviewed and like they're, because I've noticed a lot of business books that I like, it's a lot of uh, technique, but there's not a lot of emotion. And I just want to have the quotes of these people and profile them, profile them in, in a nice hardcover book that I can sell. And then they could have his keepsake, but I want to immortalize the people that I've interviewed um, uh, in some way that I can share with others, uh, because I, 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 you know, I think it'd be great. But that—that's probably outside of the showcases and the projects. That is the number one project that I want to do. That's awesome, man. Look forward to it. It's like having you stand up there, be able to have you come back on and interview, you know, about that as well. That—that that would be outstanding. Yeah, outstanding. yeah. Now I got to do it. I said it out loud. Uh, yeah. <laughs> But, but yeah, it'd be cool to just work at that. If I'm getting consistent revenue, I wake up every day and I focus on this. Great. Well, it's a, it's a nice transition because, uh, you know, I'd love to, you know, hear a little bit more about your uh, Japan origin story. Like, I know you talked about uh, Dragon Ball and your animes and things like that. Um, were there anything else that attracted you to, you to uh, Japan? Absolutely. So anime was first as a teen. Um, I moved to Minnesota when I was uh, 16. It was, well, I wasn't, I was younger for senior year. Um, one, around that time, uh, it was producer slash rapper, more so producer Pharrell from the Neptunes, was doing a lot of stuff with Japan and Bathing Ape. And some of it was music related, some of it was fashion related, he created his own label, but he also would do specials, um, TV specials where he would go over there. And interview people. And he actually did a really neat one where he interviewed a DJ, um, clothing designers, rap groups, but there was one underwater. I think it was like for Typhoon. It was a way Japan prevented uh, uh, prevented itself from typhoons or floodings or something of that nature. It was like massive underground networks of like canals and stuff like that. It was nuts. And after that, I started working at the airport. Um, at a duty-free shop. The coolest people were the Japanese folks, for sure. Uh, the way they dressed, the yeah. way they, they were the nice people in the world, the way the plane, because we would sometimes get to go on the plane, and these double-decker, giant Delta planes, and we were able to see, the, uh, I was able to see them, and this was like mid-2000s, and it was just such a different world. Every, the way they did everything, the way, the, way they, the way they talked, the way they dressed again, and it, I just started learning more about the country after that just looking up stuff for myself um, about the fashion, how they're normally a step ahead from fashion, um, especially like urban fashion, the different cities, uh, different culture. I'm, I'm a big history buff, so I started learning more about like samurai culture, Nobunaga and things like that. So I'm like, okay, I, this, this would be a trip. When I was a kid, it was always Australia. I don't know why. I think, no, I'm, I know why. I, I love animals and Australia has the craziest animals, the craziest flora and fauna is in Australia. But, Japan became the thing. I would love to go out there and just kind of experience this world that's totally different. And I just got more into it. And then probably in the last five years, I've had friends go um, and tell me about it, which only pushed it up. And someone I've interviewed, Stephen Hopkins, um, he has a clothing line called Part Whole. He went to Japan um, 
and uh, he was actually supposed to go with someone else, but something happened. So he ended up being by himself and he was fine. And he was like, this is the greatest thing I ever did. He's been to Europe, London, Paris. He loves Paris. But he's like, no, man, the stuff I saw in Japan. And that, it was actually not just him. Uh, him and uh, this person that he was running office space with both had gone. <laughs> and, I, and I forgot his name already. Uh, forgive me, Steve. I forgot your friend's name. Uh, he said, and I'll never forget, he goes, it was the most amazing experience that I ever had in my life. And then when I came back to Boston, I didn't even want to leave my house. Like, I was depressed. Like, he, he literally said, it was yes. just like sensory overload. By the time he came back home, he just sat in his room for like days. He's just like, I didn't want to look outside. I just looked, everything looked awful. <laughs> and after that, I'm like, all right, I'm going. I'm going. I got to go. Uh, no, I, I could not agree more, man. Like, I, I found that after my first trip with Fulbright, like coming back, I didn't realize how much it was going to impact me. Like, I haven't had that. Like, you, you come back from a vacation and you're like, yeah, I don't want to go back to work, yeah. you, you know, and I don't want to do this laundry that's sitting here in front of me. But it, it was so different. And I was talking to another individual uh, when I was working um, at Apple for a bit. And I think they put it right from a standpoint of like, you know, you, we all need our happy place. Yeah. And like that was like me discovering Japan's my happy place. And like when I come back now every single time, I either bring back T-shirts coffee like i brought back a glass that i did from like hand-blown glass from an art studio that was there like things that i can physically hold or wear that bring me back at least in part to there like help so much and on those days when i'm struggling the most man you can see me because i've got <laughs> you know my shirts my hats my like everything draped on me almost like helping support me up at that time so i i couldn't no, couldn't agree more with that. What, like, what, it, when you arrive, let's pretend, you know, here, Joel, like, you're going to arrive in Japan. What is the first thing that you'd like to do when you make that first trip? Uh, get, uh, land, uh, at, I guess, Narito, Narito or Haneda, uh, whichever one, and get downtown, go to Tokyo. I would love to stay in Tokyo yeah. first. Uh, depending on what time of day it is, if I'm not feeling dead because I'm a terrible flyer, just walk around. I have a good, because I've traveled random, like in the States and outside the States enough, and when it comes to walking, I have a good sense of direction and the internet helps too. But yeah. literally just go outside and walk and just be blown away by everything, literally. Um, just bump, like try not to bump into people, but just go look around and catch that. <laughs> There's nothing like that first, like when you go to New York and you come out at Penn Station, or uh, uh, that feeling when you're landed O'Hare and you're driving down 290 and you get down. There's no feeling like that first time, like, oh my God, this is the city. This is it. Yes. And I want that for Tokyo. I want the fear, the anxiety, the excitement, all that hit me and just be like, I'm really here right now. That'd be number one for sure. And then just probably just walking around aimlessly for like a half hour, hour. It's like staring, you know, staring at everyone. Like, whoa. It's like, for sure. They, and and I, I know, like, you're doing it smart, my friend. The first time I went to Japan back, like, by, with, with myself, and I wasn't part of a group, I, I made the very poor decision, my friend, to go from Narita to Tokyo, which is its own journey, like, hour, hour and a half to begin with. <laughs> Fought through Tokyo Station, which, like, I love Japan, could not love it more. Tokyo Station is like on that exact opposite end of place. Like if I ever didn't have to walk through again, like I'd be blissfully happy, can't avoid it. But went from Tokyo and then took the Shinkansen all the way to Kyoto. And I didn't sleep on the plane. I had a huge layover. Like by the time I got there, I bought McDonald's. That was my first meal back in Japan. It was like, I don't want to bother with anything. I don't want yeah. anything. Got there, set my food down rolled out my mat i think i had like three french fries and like passed out so you <laughs> you are you have a a great goal for what you want to do um besides tokyo like what are some other things or even within tokyo what are some locations you want to visit the most i it's funny in tokyo like it'd be anything clothing related uh the fishing i don't the world famous fish market is that tokyo Yes. I yes. think that's Tokyo. And I know it's going to be, that's crazy. Like just getting into it is ridiculous. It wouldn't have to be that one. A fish market yeah. would be fine for me, honestly. Um, I would have to figure out just like a restaurant list uh, yeah. uh, there. 
but I pr- I'd probably just tr- try to find scenery, like, uh, like in, even like cool stuff in the city. Like if there are murals, paintings, uh, different structures, stuff like that I would like to see. Um, that'd be pretty cool if I, if I could find neighborhood structures outside of just like the main city area. Uh, that'd be nice. But Tokyo would just be like to see it, get it, in, uh, see it in. Also anything high tech. So outside of fashion, just kind of seeing what they, what, how, how they do things for store displays, how technology works for um, uh, their city structures and things like that. That'd be pretty cool. Um, and then, yeah, just find out. Yeah, that, that's probably where I'd start with Tokyo and then find out other cities from there. Their fashion, man, is just, it, it's amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Like, I would never spend $100 on a t-shirt here, like, at home. Uh, you, you know, I, I pretty much spend, like, you know, $10, $15. Yeah. Like, whatever yeah. it is to have something on me, but there uh, without passing a beat. Because what you see, you'll never see again. Yeah. And it's, like, just this store in this part, this thing that's here, you can buy that and you're not going to run into another person that you're going to see with it, much less in Japan or like, you know, back home. And it just brings something back. The guys on uh, Japan 2.0, I'm like, you're going to have to talk to them at some point or like get their episodes because they have a couple different episodes that are just fashion. Yeah. And they're some of my most favorite things to listen to because like you hear someone else's interest and it's like it's created that in me to where I'm like, yeah, I want this. <laughs> like yeah. I see how much, you know, you know, what's behind there uh, with you. Uh, like what? I know we talked a little bit and you have traveled internationally uh for my for like listeners of the show like what are some recommendations that you could share um that, that might benefit them when they you know go to make this trip uh to japan themselves or just anywhere in the world i would say you need some structure uh to your do some research and get some structure to your trip i am a big fan of winging it uh which is not, don't do that. Uh, I went to uh, Cuba with my wife, like right, like we were trying to plan a trip. Uh, this is like 2016 or so. And we were going to a wedding in Cancun, I think. And we were like, well, let's plan a vacation around that time. So we we're either gonna go to Mexico City or Cuba. And unless it's closer to go to Cuba. I'm like, all right. <laughs> so we ended up doing that. Um, and you just cannot wing it in Cuba. Like you need, like you need to, we got there. We had already reached out. We did an Airbnb, but we'd communicate with them enough to know they got us to the place. And then we had some tours set up and things like that. So the tours, the walking tour that we did for the first day helped us guide everything else and gave us the information that we needed to eat and all that stuff. So definitely do that first. Try to find someone who's been there, who knows there, if they're doing a tour or something, they just get you started and get, get you a baseline. And, and then also having contingency plans in place. Uh, pack, don't pack everything into your checked luggage. Pack some stuff into your carry-on. Uh, just know where you can go if, if something goes wrong. Uh, but main thing is add a little structure to it. No, have a starting point. Don't just completely aimlessly walk around. Do some research on the better restaurants. Because um, one thing I'd be worried about in Tokyo is in Paris, there's so many restaurants catered towards tourists that are awful but they're right in front of you. You have to do some work to find the good restaurants that yes. aren't on the main streets. And I feel like I, the, there's anything that like you see all just tourists eating at that are like in really accessible places. I'm like, okay, that's probably not the best place. Uh, just thinking about how much the space to be there costs. You're like, all right, I probably got to do some work. So that, that'd be another thing. It was one of my experiences with uh, some cafes that yeah. I went, went to where it's like you're paying an absorbent price to sit there. Yes, yes. And you're paying yes. paying an, an absorbent price to like uh, purchase the food. And I was like, omelet rice, man. That's been on every anime that I've ever seen ever. This, I got to have this. And my first experience with it was, no, that was not the way to go about doing it. So <laughs> it's like not at all, my friend, not at all. Yeah. Like I, so... Are, uh, anime. I know you talked about Dragon Ball Z and things. Is there anything that you're still watching in regards to that, or anything that um, you have uh, from like your favorite animes you want to talk about? Absolutely, I still watch anime uh, adamantly. Uh, I subscribe to Crunchyroll, and yes. <laughs> f- f- I had both that and Funimation, but they're merging Mer- finally. This is, finally, yes, <laughs> <I> can't wait. <laughs> uh, uh, but. Uh, the, they uh on crunchyroll i'm watching 
uh, of course, um, I, 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 Demon, uh, Demon Slayer just finished yes. the latest season of beautiful. I do. It's a little Dragon Ball Z ish with the way yes. that they, they push things out, but that's okay. Um, outside of that, I'm watching, uh, Shinmu, <laughs> uh, which I'm really into. It's super goofy and super cartoony. Uh, and then I have favorites. I actually listed my favorites here. I don't, I, it was, I forget. Okay. okay. I, I don't even know why, but, uh, so one of my favorites of all time is called Blade of the Immortal. It's, uh, uh it's on Amazon Prime. It's about this lady whose family was killed by this gang of samurais. There are these outcast samurais who, uh, uh, who just hated how samurais ran their thing about samurais with this worst type of people so it was these like 10 just ridiculous fighters who killed her family but like all the samurais in general they're like anti-state so she's on a quest to avenge her dad she enlists this man who's immortal to help her but the end the the group of this renegade uh, samurai all have different fighting abilities and styles it's super artistic definitely adult themed Yes. But it's super authentic. The fight scenes are amazing. It's one of the best I ever watched. Hunter Hunter is probably my favorite of all time. Uh, Hunter Hunter is just great. Like it's just just watch it. It's great. The <laughs> Phantom Troop, awesome. Uh, and then I also like ones that aren't. I love anything related to Samurai, like Samurai Champloo, things like that. But then there there's ones I watch that are just a step, they take a step back, like Michiko and Hachin about a girl and her mom and it's like brazilian themed it's like the japanese view of it. it's the music's great it's beautiful um there's one that's historic called golden um, kimoi k-a-m-u-i uh it's about uh this guy named the Morty, mortal sugimoto it's a bunch of people looking for gold but that one's great it's historic it tells you about old like the japanese fighting the russian it's a period piece which is really good um and then i have so many but i'll name one more the last one i'll name is uh on netflix agretsuko it is about this i think she's supposed to be a tanuki uh named retsuko she works in an accounting firm it's uh all animals in this anime but it's about work in japan life it's like she's in the worst accounting firm her boss is a pig uh and to get steam out after the day she goes to karaoke bars and does metal okay, okay. and it's on netflix it's cute but it's also like real life stuff like real life themes it's fun uh sorry i lied one more odd taxi odd taxi is amazing it just wrapped up and they're doing a movie too i got plenty of anime but odd taxi was amazing <laughs> came to the right place to geek about it yeah, I, yeah. I said it's there, there you can't have too much for me it's any slice of life is like shooting shooting fish in a barrel yeah. i have to be very careful to recommend that to friends because uh i can't be biased like if, if you put a slice of life on i'm gonna love it yes and uh, you know it's just I, I am and like one of them that's there uh that is kind of edgy there's so many different ones that's here but one of my favorites was uh silver spoon and that's one where you get this kid that was in Tokyo, was in one of the most prestigious uh, high schools possible, was supposed to go to this you know, really fancy college, uh, ends up having things that occur to him and he can't go. So he's like trying to question his life and he's like, you know what, I'm just gonna go to this agricultural school because like, it's gotta be easy. Yeah. yeah you know, and he, the whole story is him and that experience there and like his growth, him kind of terms the kind of things that's there. And it's like those stories that you don't get here from like a lot of yeah. what we're watching, yeah. like keep, keeps me watching anime and keeps me falling yeah. in love with different shows. Yeah, it could be about regular stuff. There was a show called like Restaurant at the End of the World. It's just about a chef who would just like cook for people. <laughs> he would just cook for people. <laughs> both seasons, there's like the second season of that, like people coming in and I'm like, this is this is great. Like you're making tomato soup. Yeah, like, literally. Oh, it was just, he just cooked food. And I'm like, this is great. It's just it, no, no fights, no nothing. And it, it was just, it, you're right. It was just cool to see their culture of just, no, this is going to be about a chef and he's cooking food. That's great. And then I, I know from our uh, previous talks and things like that, um, you have an interest I'd love to hear about because um, I know very little. I should know more. Uh, but like we all have our interests in things that are here. But like uh, Feudal Japan you were talking about was one of your like big interests and in things that you have. Um, like what, you know, what do you like about that time, that history? Uh, go ahead and share, like anything, anything at all about that. For sure, I love. 
watching how states, uh, how things became formed from a historical point of view. So um, there's, for those who want to learn, like I follow uh, Hank and John Green on YouTube and they do something called Crash Course. And Crash Course they do for pretty much any subject in school. And it's funny because I started watching Crash Course like in mid 2000s, like maybe like I'm an adult, like 2013 or so. And all the comments are people like, yeah, I'm studying for my AP exam. This is super helpful. And I'm like, I'm just here for fun. (laughs) (laughs) But they had a whole series on uh, world history and also um, uh, American history. And it just shows you how things came to be. And, And it's like 10 minute videos nice vignettes uh, and that kind of got me into finding out a lot more about history the cool thing about feudal japan is how like how i just like the way that they made samurai think like it's like sanctions it's sanctioned by the state you have this house name and this is going to be how we run things and how uh the states were warring at a period because they had to figure out who runs what um and there are things i found out that like that like that are crazy that have existed for a while that we have no knowledge of. For example, gender fluidity. Uh, I like. I'm just finding out now, right? Like well, this is becoming yeah. a thing now. But I'm realizing, wait a second, these animes that have been out since like the 80s and 90s were doing that well way back when. Then I learned about Japan. And I'm like, dude, they were doing this in like the 14. Like it's like this is old to them. They've been talking about this forever, yes. and it's not. They're like, what? This is so like you just find out about these terms and how they run things and how different they are and also the idea of like samurai like the idea of these people who are really good at stuff like crafts like uh for some kung fu or different fighting styles and samurai like guns kind of cheapen that to me like it's one thing like and that like look at where we are we have like missiles and drones it's like come on this is this is a we aren't fighting war this is not what it is but the whole thing about samurai is me honorable and like no that guy's just better at that guy it was just super super cool to me are these larger than life legends like if you look at american history you'd probably be like a davy crockett or a paul bunyan yeah. uh or you know these these who you just unbeatable people and that that's what they seem like when i look at their history hearing about people like nobunaga he's just really great war generals who bases things on principles and a lot of those principles are still around and america's just really young so they're they're yes. we're just we just not there yet there we have american things but the fact that japanese have these things about honor and preservation that have been around forever it's just so yes. so interesting to me so i just love it like um when i was there like you're standing in places that are thousands of years old and I am like uh, not a religious person, but I am a very spiritual person. And like standing there in that area, like surrounded by everything, you can't help but be like impacted by like everything that's going on around you and just things that are there. And then seeing those actual swords that samurai used and their armor and everything and just being right there, it's just, um, I can't wait to to hear about you being there, Joel, and like just, we could talk for a whole day about it. We'll just have that be like the uh, three-hour podcast or something. Yeah, yeah, We're gonna make a point. We're gonna do it in Japan. Like we're gonna, this is yes. this is gonna happen. But you're absolutely right, and I love how you said the thing about spirituality. Uh, Americans are just really bad at moderation. So like, yes. I believe in God. Like I'm trying to get better. Uh, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, but I need to like find that for myself. So yes. when I have conversations or do things, I just don't need, that's me. I, I'm fine. I'm learning things. Like I'm, yep. I'm fine. I'm not yep. going to go, what, Michael? No, you need to, re- <laughs> and that's, that's, <laughs> we need to just learn how to like, just, just take things. Cause when I hear uh, in Japan, when they talk about uh, the way they view spirituality, it's just, nope, it's just a thing. Yes. It's here. Yes. We think there's yeah. more to that. Like they're very big on that. No, this is what we are. They're not, it's not sensationalized. It just, it, it just, this is what these are, the, how these things are. And I feel like here it's just harder to get a sense of peace with it because there's so many things going yes. on around it. It's like, no, I just want to kind of have a higher believing of things and how the world is working and yes. be okay, calm with it and yes. be confident with it. Yep. And I, I think like um, there's so much more open uh, from a standpoint of like being accepting of those different views because I mean, you have like Buddhism and Shinto living side by side right. and then actually being the same, same together. And like I can a hundred percent get behind uh anything that's telling you to treat everything with respect every person every item just like like everything as a spirit and if we can just as a people come from a standpoint of like giving respect not necessarily expecting to get it back but like giving it and if we're all trying to give that towards each other like that's that's just you know huge and uh you know like you we all have our like uh 
past, yep. you know, things that have made us who we are today. And I think, you know, it's perfect, like not rushing to judge, but not, you know, like not, not anything that's there, but like taking, cause everybody has something to offer. Yep. You know what yep. I mean? Like we're not going to agree a hundred percent, but like, uh, everybody has something to offer uh, exactly. each other with that. Yeah. And I think that's one thing we, where we could be missing is that, and I feel like natives do a better job of this. But like, it'd be cool to see God in more of the things we are around every day, because we probably treat them differently. Like, yes. the Japanese are really good about, no, all of this stuff is good. These animals, like all of this, the earth, like we love all, it's all connected. Uh, you know, these shrines, they, they, everything is important. And I love that. I love it. You know, like it, 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 could, it could definitely help. Like, uh, and we could keep on, I know, like uh, geeking out about Japan for some time, I said, but uh, I want to get back to your uh, your podcast, my friend. And I'd like to just ask you, like, what are some of your favorite episodes um, that you have done, like during your time? Are there any that are I know that they're all meaningful. I can hear it in your voice. I can see you talking about it. Like, I know when we were talking about your website, how much that is like so huge to you. But is there any of them that stand out more than others? Um, I would say, uh, the, man, there's a few, my friend, Tom Dramatico, who, uh, did, he, he wrestles, wrestled in his free time and will come to work, um, created his own like professional wrestling character. Uh, but he, his was, uh, great because he didn't live in Boston, uh, moved to Boston, um, because of relationship and had to like find work and it just got to the point where he was uh uh like the relationship didn't work and he was staying out of his car for a little bit and he was like no i have to make this work i said i moved i'm gonna move out here to boston and make things work i need to do it and he did it and there's one specific point where he uh separated his shoulder while at wrestling and had to drive himself to the hospital and he's like trying he's like mimicking trying to get himself crawling up the stairs to his apartment and and it, it was just like you just where he is now he's in a great place and yes. sometimes we just forget about how far we've come along you know those really bad moments and it was just cool to see him reflect on it in the moment and then to see where he's been i'm like wow you've really because i don't feel like we ever give ourselves the credit um to uh to really see that so that that one was really important uh my friend steve uh stephen hopkins was pretty cool just hearing him talk about how much he cared about fashion and his brand and uh like how he was able to see beauty in like everything like just like the way the pavements are laid and like tell me about japan and, and, and london and just like seeing different things that gave him inspiration uh that was that was really really cool as well um i had a showcase with my friend akio evans from baltimore whose his story is just insane um uh uh, uh that that was good there's so many but yeah that was a good one too but uh, yeah, I'll stop at those three. I'll end up naming all of them. <laughs> I'll stop there. And uh, like, what are some of your uh, favorite podcasts, YouTube shows, just things that you like to uh, listen to as well? I'm mean, like, they can be about Japan or not. doesn't matter. But what, like, what are some of your favorite things that you have? I like, uh, there's a few, uh, what is it called? How Stuff Works. Uh uh, yes. I think how stuff works is great. It's stuff you should know. Sorry, not how stuff works. Stuff you should know. It's just people just talking about. Oh, this is. They'll talk about a historical event or like gravity, or like just like it'll just be like an hour of two guys just like talking about that stuff. Um, I don't know why. I'm super into. Uh, no, I know why. Uh, there's a podcast called Ear Hustle. I think it's based in San Quentin. Um, and someone worked with prisoners at San Quentin to just say what things are like, but it's cool to hear them excited to have a project to kind of get their minds off of things and just t- and tell stories. Um, on YouTube, I like, there's this gentleman named uh, Jay Williams who uh, was incarcerated in Greensville, uh, uh, I think Greensville, Greenville, somewhere in Virginia for 10 years. And he's probably the best storyteller I've ever heard in my entire life. The way he can retell stories uh like the voice his voice inflections the way he's able to add f- funny elements to it but they're so real everything's so visceral but it's always with a positive thing like he was telling you about this point in his life and how things are different now and it's just like you're there he paints a picture beautifully with words and i'm like oh my god that's nuts um and outside of that i don't listen to malcolm gladwell that much but his voice is just great so when i do listen to him i'm like bro this is, this guy's got the nicest voice i think i've ever heard in my entire life <laughs> 
And I, and I and Joel, I know we talked about like long-term goals uh, with your book and things for your show. Uh, but like, what is your goal for just 2022 uh, in general? I'd say for 2022, it'd be, I'd like to have an in-person showcase. Um, I've been looking at venues in Baltimore. I've done a bunch in Boston. It was easier because I was living there at the time. But if I can accomplish that, something at the end of this year, that, that'd be it. Just find the venue, get at least 100 people to show up and have five or six people get on a stage one by one and say, from nine to five, I do this, but I really want to do this. Record it, package it, done. That is, that is it. If I can do that this year, if I can find a way to do more, that's number one. That's awesome. That's awesome. And um, is there anything else that you would like to share about your show, yourself, uh, with the listeners that we haven't discussed to this point? Uh, I think this show, uh, yeah, we, I have at least 20 episodes that I'm getting ready to release. So just stay tuned. For those listening, um, if anyone is moonlighting or trying to build something or work on a passion, uh, hold yourself accountable. Uh, treat it prioritize your passion um it's it's easy to say you don't have time for things you just don't have time for things that aren't that important i watch football so i can never say i don't have enough time to do something because i sit still for three hours and watch a football game it's three hours and i make sure i do it so whenever i'm like i don't have time to do it i really just mean it's not that important because i'm throwing time away watching stuff and then second celebrate don't forget that all of this matters. The smallest thing you do mattered. Yeah. Naming your podcast mattered. Recording one episode, that's huge. Don't ever leave the day thinking you got nothing done. Every little thing does matter. Um, you're never like, I feel like when you're younger, you just try to accomplish a thousand things in a day and get mad when you only do 800. No, um, don't, don't overwork yourself. Just realize every little thing counts. Count those small victories, celebrate them, and that'll do a lot in pushing you towards your goal. I'm gonna clip that, clip what you just said, and just put it in my calendar to listen to periodically, man. That, that, I, <laughs> I love that. that. That's 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 perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. And then, like, what advice could you give to someone who's thinking about moonlighting themselves? Uh, yeah, I would say uh, do make tangible, make things as tangible as possible, um, and. You know, make, write things down on paper, have actual concrete goals you can work towards, and don't do a lot of talking. Uh, just do it. Uh, don't. It's so easy to be, get excited. I mean, my number one thing is having an idea and getting excited about it and then telling everyone, like, oh, I got this great, because that yeah. feels great. Yeah. yeah, it does. But you're, it, it's very easy to do, and it's harder to do the doing part. And the wor- last thing you want is to be the person that has all the cool ideas that never come to fruition. When you have this idea, start, start wheeling on it. The more you do on your own, when you present this idea, the more you have, the more impact it's going to have. It's one thing to say, I have this podcast, but something you say, I have this podcast, here's 30 episodes. Um, here's this Lost Without Japan, uh, Japan, as well as these guides that you can use. Everyone's like, oh my God, this is amazing. <laughs> I want it. I want to be a part of this. So yeah. Yeah. It's it, it's, it's it's so true, right? Like, um, yeah. For me, it was, you know, August is when I finally started, you know, doing it. But you're right, man. Like even uh, I was listening to a book on audio about podcasting. You know, I was reaching out to shows that I listened to like uh, Deep in Japan, um, you know, Japan 2.0, the LATCS, like Life After the Cover Save, which is like a gaming comedy podcast. But like listening to people, like reaching out to them. And it was amazing. I'm like, I'm never going to hear back from them. And you sure as well do. And all of them are so supportive. And like getting those steps like each day, like getting a recommendation for a loadout, like took some pressure because I don't know about you. I was looking at microphones and my setup and I had no what idea, like what was good or not. I spending, I don't know how many days looking at different setups, but finally I reached out and heard back from um, uh, Jeff and like, uh, for deep like deep in japan he gave me his loadout nice i'm like you sound fantastic like what can you recommend and he's like well i wouldn't recommend what i currently have nice because <laughs> you know too expensive he goes but i can recommend you something that's going to make you sound good right away and um it, it, it you're 100 like just going with it and starting yep. could not agree more could not agree more and 
I, I just want to thank you so much, Joel, uh, for your time, like here today, my friend, like coming back on, having me on and uh, just like I'm ha- happy to have like a friendship again with you. And uh, like once again, like like is it what where could listeners of Lost Without Japan uh, find and support you? You go to uh, any major podcast network, Moonlighters Club podcasts. We're on again, Spotify, Apple podcasts. We have clips on YouTube. Um, where you'll see our showcases that we've done in person, where people just got on a stage and talked about their passions, as well as some interviews that we've done on YouTube as well. Um, if you are Moonlighter, reach out to us. Uh, uh, just uh, um, Joel at MoonlightersClub.com if you ever want to be on the show. Um, but the next big thing is going to be this showcase in Baltimore. So as that, get, that becomes more concrete, I'll, I'll make sure to publish all that info. Outstanding, Joel. I said, like, I... Just want to thank you again. Uh, meant a whole bunch being on your show. Meant a lot having you here today. Uh, look forward to hearing about that showcase because if there's any way possible that I can make it there to be a part of that audience, I would love to be able to do that as well. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you for having me on. This was great. It was cool to just talk about anime shows for <laughs> like 20 minutes. <laughs> now I got to go. We've been so- <laughs> that's, that's it. That's, that's it. That's yeah. it. So. Thank you, my friends. Uh, we, we've reached that time, um, you know, for today. Look forward to more interviews uh, coming out in the future. I have a few lined up and other shows that the um, Lost Without Japan show is going to be on. So now to the part that you guys are familiar with. Uh, on behalf of Lost Without Japan and the entire crew, I'd like to thank you for joining us today for this interview. We're looking forward to seeing you on board again in our next regularly scheduled episode as we continue our discussion on Osaka and lodging in Japan. To everyone out there, Oginki Day, stay well, my friends.